Dystopia tonight. Okay, um, I'm here with Alex, lead singer of Love Crush Velvet. I was at your um, album release party in New York at, I can't remember the venue. What was the venue? It was Berlin under A, and, the, Berlin. and I'm very glad that you were there. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, it was, it was so much fucking fun, and I've never been to Berlin under A, so it was a great place, a great space for like, like it felt like I was at um, uh, like something back in like the 60s, 70s, you know what I mean? It just very felt very unique to be there. And you guys were all super pumped and you fucking crushed uh, the entire time you were on stage. It looks like you were just enjoying uh, the experience of being back out and performing. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming you, you didn't get to do that too much. No, not at all. During, during COVID, it's, it's really been, we haven't performed as a band since 2019. Wow. So it's been quite a while. I've, I've done some one-offs here and there, a couple mm-hmm. of songs or a shortened set, that kind of stuff at individual events. But by and large, we... Uh, we hadn't been out in public doing this. So it was, it was, it was just nice to do it. It's obviously the first show after, um, after a long hiatus and a couple of the members, we knew members that I I hadn't played with before in terms of uh, in front of an audience per se. So it was, I looked at it as, as kind of a first step in building some band chemistry and just finally getting the music out there. And like you said, it was just nice to be, yeah, to be in front of an audience again, and it was. And we kind of planned it as a small, intimate show, as you saw. It's a, it's a pretty tiny. It's a great venue, but it's a pretty tiny venue. Yeah, and it almost felt like um, it was almost a little fuller than it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a thing I had noticed too. Like immediately we were walking in because I had I don't know about you, but I had I'd had COVID. Um, oh man like two months at the time before that so you get that 90 day window where you're licking doorknobs and shit right like you're just like out there like you're like okay i've got some kind of immunity but even then when i walked down there i was like this is new i have not been in in a packed place like this in quite some time but it was a blast everybody was having a good time yeah you know in my i've, I've tried because i haven't had covid yet as far oh, as I- dude you're one of the uh, that's awesome man that's incredible I'm like either stupidly lucky or I'm one of these freaks that for some reason has uh, <laughs> this happy glitch in their immune systems. <laughs> Whether, you, know, you know what? It's like a downside, though, because you know they're going to be studying. Like if this gets worse, I don't know how, but if this gets worse than it already is, they're going to be studying you people. Like they're going to be really like we're going to be seeing you guys whisked away into a lab somewhere. Yeah, you know, that's like just what I need to be even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I, you were saying you were performing with newer members and I've actually never asked any musicians this before, but now it piques my interest more than ever because I have you here. Um, what is it like? Cause you've been doing this for a while. When you get new members, is there a bonding thing that you try to do? Cause obviously like coming out of COVID, you said you guys hadn't really performed together live. So that itself was a bonding experience. But when you're getting new members in, when you're trading people out, is there something that you do for new members where to welcome them into the band to kind of get everybody gelling together? Do you go out to eat? Like what's your, what's your thing? It, it really varies. Sometimes it's, sometimes we'll do stuff socially other times, just the process of rehearsing and um, getting out there and playing. That's kind of the bonding experience in and of itself. So it's just, it really varies. It just it all depends on our respective schedules and I travel right. a lot and I'm on the road uh, just on my own supporting various things. So a lot of it is just, a consequence of scheduling as well but but ultimately if you've got um 
you, you, you know right away whether you've got decent personal chemistry with somebody. Nice. And it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have amazing personal chemistry in the beginning. You just, you have to have, but you've also got, you've all got to be kind of relatively simpatico. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like the beginning of any relationship, whether it's professional, personal. It takes a while to get to know people. It takes a while for people right. to, to loosen up, to relax, to let their hair down. So just even with touring, sometimes like two weeks into a tour, a person you thought of, one of your band members you thought of in one particular context, they end up just being a completely different person than you'd realized. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they're, <laughs> where they're like, you know, the last band I was with, we always used to cover each other in jam before a show. So are you guys into that? No, nobody wants to do that. And you're like, fuck, uh, this guy's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's got to be crazy. I Because I, comedians don't have to deal. I mean, we, you know, we work with new people all the time on the road. Or if you're lucky enough, we're like, like in my case, I try to pick the same. I, I have uh, one of my best friends open all the time. So we go out on the road together all the time. So it's like smooth sailing, kind of easy. And then every now and again, if if she can't make it, like I, you know, I have to bring somebody else along. And I'm like, this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea. But you try to you try to do your best to bring people that you want to spend enormous amounts of time on the road with and you kind of gel with. Yeah, it's a hard thing. You you're always rolling the dice to some degree. Yeah. But the, uh, the one thing that I'm always looking for people to play is that they just come in with a professional mindset. Yeah. Uh, showing up, being prepared to get the job done. Cause just keeping, keeping egos and insecurities out of the, that's a thing. Out of, out of the room. And, um, and then as the band leader, as the singer, I, it's, I try to set the tone with that. Yeah. And never, uh, I try never to make it about me. I make it about the music. That's great, man. What's best for the music? What's best for the overall performance? You know, and I'm, and I'm like everybody else. I'm sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not. And mm-hmm. when I'm not. Um, I, I don't, I don't get my, uh, I, get, I don't get my knickers out of shape about it. <laughs> and when I am, you know, I don't, I don't beat my chest and jump up and down to enjoy. I just kind of, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's that that side of it. I like to treat it as business. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying to get stuff done. Let's be respectful. Let's enjoy what we're doing and just keep all just the stupid bullshit to a minimum. Yeah. Is that how you spearhead the creative process as well, too? Do you do you do you like being by yourself when you're making music and stuff and then you present it to your other bandmates or what's that like? It really depends. Sometimes. Sometimes I just happen to be writing on my own and in Mm -hmm. that and that that can that can turn out to be any number of things mm-hmm. it can turn out to be what's by and large a fully completed song it could be just a riff or a chorus or just some idea that i wanted to bring the whole band to the whole band to see where they're going to take it where their kind of collective input collective energy will drive it um, other times sometimes it comes about through a jam um nice. one thing that i almost always do is I always record sound checks. Oh, uh, nice. That's so smart. And rehearsals. Uh, I like to start with, depending on the group of players. And some, some, some players have more of a mindset of this than others, but what I always like to do is start a rehearsal just yeah. with an open jam. It's more like a chance. It's like the equivalent of uh, having people over for dinner and, and having a cocktail before you sit down. You know, It just loosens everybody up. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a great, there's, it's crazy to think that people used to do that because now we have, you know, 
iPhones, everything's digital, everything's saved on a memory card. It's relatively cheap to record stuff. So you can just, in my head, I'm like, why are we not recording every fucking ounce of, you know? Yeah. And then, but to think that like, like, did you see the Beatles documentary that they did that Peter Jackson? No, I didn't. I arrived. It's kind of on my, oh, not my short list, but my, uh, it takes, it takes me a while to get the number three. I hear you. I know it, it. There's so much content half the time. So it's hard to watch that kind of shit, but just, I mean, you know about it. So like, just to imagine that like back then it wasn't digital and they were just fil- like, they just have hours and hours and hours of literal film. So there's no excuse for us not to do it at this point. Like everything should be content, which is kind of like, how are you with social media and stuff like that? As far as like everything needing to be content, are you, are you good with that kind of stuff? Or do you, you know, struggle with it? No, for me, it's, it's, it's like torture. Like, yeah. uh, you know, people complain about the dentist. I don't mind going to the dentist. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I hate posting. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good comparison. You know, I just, I just don't, it's just not my thing. And there's certain people that are, uh, they're just naturally good at it. They, they have, yes. they're, they're, they just, they have this connection with the medium. My daughter is, is great at it. Yeah. Um, she's just, she's super comfortable with it. She's good at creating content for me. I, I hate being in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, I like, I'm very comfortable in front of a crowd. Yes. Uh, when you tell me, Hey, you know, Hey, pose and say something, I'll say it, but it's not, I don't yeah. know, I feel like I should have a guitar in my hand or, or I feel you. spewing, you know, good hearted expletives in front of an audience or something. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> I look like I should be good at content. Uh, and that's my downside is when people find out that I'm really not that good. Like, like I, you know, I like the amount of effort I have to put into my Instagram um, which is the only thing that's really doing well, um, you know, so like social media wise, everything else I kind of is kind of like a dead space thing, but like Instagram is pretty great. But I was talking to another comic friend of mine. Do you know John Fugel saying? Uh, I don't. Okay. He's on Sirius XM. He's a comic. Yeah, but, I, but I don't know. There's a, I don't know much. So. Okay. Well, but, but he was basically like, what are you talking about? Like, I see you post shit all the time. And I'm like, like what I post one day took me three weeks to muster the strength to figure out how to do it and and get over my own headspace of doing it because like it's just such a weird muscle that like you said your daughter how old's your daughter uh she's now she's a brand new 21 okay 21 so like but even so then yeah so then she like the people that grew up i'm 37 so the people that grew up with social media and stuff like that it's just a muscle that they have that like like i'll see the younger comics now that are like around 21 20s or whatever and I'm friends with them and they, I watch them when we're at the clubs and they always have somebody filming their friend doing something else. And my friends and I are like not doing fucking shit. Like, like none of us have like the content up and we're just like, God, you know, they all do it for each other. No wonder they, they're like so good at posting all the time. And, but I, I don't think about it. Yeah. It's, it's very much like, just in the same way that some people wake up in the morning and they stretch and they do yoga or they meditate or whatever it yes. is. It's just, it's like this daily ritual. You have to, you have to make it a part of your wiring, which, uh, you know, being, I'm, I'm still really old school in that sense. I'm mean, obviously mm-hmm. I love technology. We're working, we're in a digital world and that's, yeah. and that's okay. And I'm, right. I don't have any issues with that, but there's a, I, I do like to try to, keep some barrier between how, how much I let it in, infiltrate my rituals. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just hard. Cause I, I don't want to let that, cause I still, I was still a kid 
before social media ever existed. You know, when I, like when the internet came on, I was came around. I was like, uh, you know, twenty or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it was a lot, a lot of my formative, a lot of my formative years. Yeah, in an analog, um, uh, tactile space. Right. Do you, you think know, t- it's weird to think that like we're because uh, I you know. I keep reading all this stuff. Obviously, obviously, there's there's too much stuff to read about what is going to technically kill us or end us as a society or, you know, w- whatever it is. But I kind of I try not to absorb too much of it because it is poison. But like, you know, you can't help but read it. But it's funny to think that we're living in a time where we have no idea what the effects of, you know, um, social me- like what the Internet or social media is doing to us. Right. Like, you know, and everything moves so quickly. It's weird to think that I'm sure they thought that about television at a certain point. But I think that kind of got, I don't know what the, like, we should know what the effects of TV are at this point, but I think it got bumped out by like internet shit where it was like, oh, it doesn't matter anymore because there's this whole new thing going on. And uh, it's far worse than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> like, like everybody's like, you know. Yeah, you can't put the genie back in the bottle on this. And the television analogy is an interesting one because you, I, you know, I don't, I'm like, I've, I've got a television that's, um, I kind of treat it as this uh, electronic accoutrement that I occasionally access. Uh-huh. But, but honestly, unless I'm home and it's, and it's freezing out and um, it's, yeah. I feel like just staying in, I just, I just never turn the thing on. Like I'll, I'll watch it for film and that's it. Yes. And that's every blue moon. But if you look at the way other people treat TV, mm-hmm. You do have these people that watch TV for five, six hours a day, but I do yeah. think it's a minority. I think most people, it might be a couple hours a day. But if you look collectively about our overall digital interaction, it is way, way more than that. If you look at answering texts, uh, yeah. on the, the social, the posts on different social media platforms, right. the Google research we do, email and everything like that. It's, uh, it, I mean, for I, I think even for the most... Uh, conservative user and i say that not in the political sense and in, in, mm-hmm. in the in the usage hours sense mm-hmm. uh it's still hours a day and it's still yeah. more than most people sit around watching television and it, it, i don't think there's any question it's changing how our brains are wired and if we uh, kind of if you believe in the theory of epigenetics which is uh which i personally do mm-hmm. that uh that kind of our dna constantly gets gets modified yes. throughout our life and then the evidence does seem to suggest pretty strongly that it does. Right. Uh, I mean, all of these things in our internal wiring that we're growing up with, this is getting, this is going to get passed on generationally. Absolutely. It's kind of frightening because the part of me is very, I, I occasionally wish, you know, um, some kind of very specific EMP would knock it out for a bit and we could go, I could just read a fucking book or like, or like collectively, like, because you can like either one of us can disconnect if we really wanted to even more so than maybe we already have and and go do whatever but you you do lose that you there's a there's a huge social even though it's even though i think it's very anti-social to just text and communicate through memes and uh you know only get information about each other through facebook or you know an instagram story that lasts 15 seconds I do feel like if I were to disconnect completely, that would be truly anti and like poisonous to what we need to survive, which is each other. 
So it's, it's, I just kind of wish we were all back in like, you know, uh, leaving voicemails maybe and, uh, and, and actually calling somebody and speaking for an hour because to call somebody on the phone now, it's almost a threat. Um, they, they really like, I, I'm a, I'm a very big, like, you know, if I've got something to say to you that lasts long enough, I'd love to speak to you over the phone. Do you have time? Right. And I know when I send that text out, like, I think I'm being courteous when I'm like, Hey, um, you know, do you want to catch up over the phone sometime? And they don't respond. I know they're having an internal panic attack. <laughs> and I'm like, what have no, I done? Oh, no, not that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, now I've got to. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The pressure. And, and it's like, it's literally just a phone. It, it doesn't take long. And you would think that having done it, like I've, I really do. I have friends who like will spend an hour on the phone or whatever. And it's fine. We have a good time. I, you know, we get off like when we're ready to get off the phone or whatever it is. And you would think they would take that memory and go, oh, that wasn't so bad. I can do this again in a couple of weeks. And then, but instead they relive this like, uh, like expectation of what, I don't know, but it's, it's really, it's fucked up. And it's, yeah, it's totally out of balance. And then, then if you look at the way texting is used to, uh, you know, people in relationships, they, uh, they try to solve their shit on by a text. <laughs> oh God. I mean, it's like, can you choose a worse way to try to fix something? <laughs> Absolutely. And the craziest thing is, is like, you know, I feel like you would think we would all be in this boat together where like, because the entire world basically is texting that we all have this agreement, like, okay, this is the new way we communicate. So there is now new etiquette for the way we communicate. And instead, everybody else has their own individual manual. And if you don't pick it up, you're fucked. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then people like, um, I remember a buddy of mine was going through a divorce and he was uh, not just not a famous guy or anything like that either. He was just a regular dude, but he was, you know, going through divorce and they were texting, arguing back and forth. And then in the news, this is like 10 years ago some celebrity was going through some shit and the screenshots were being shared of their texts. And he was like, you know, immediately like what a bunch of fucking scumbags. And I was like, dude, I was like, take your texts to your ex. <laughs> and I dare you to blast them publicly all over, you know, whatever. And see what, and he was like, Oh my God, you're fucking right. And I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's out of context. It's uh, it always looks bad. Nothing looks yeah. great. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's, it's, everything is like really, really like, uh, it's, it's too, nothing's pride. Like you can't even say something in passing to anybody anymore. Like, like, like you could say something in passing, but this is what is saying something in passing, except people can remember it and share it forever. And it's weird. Just in general, the fact that everything you do these days is uh, one way or the other is getting documented. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know to what degree our cell phones really are listening to us, but they, right. But they're certainly listening to us to some degree. Oh, totally. Um, is that you know, whether it's to every little thing, I don't know, but you have, uh, it just affects so many aspects of your, of how we act. I mean, we talk about on the one hand, we're terrified shitless about places like China where you've got the surveillance society, but we've got, we do have kind of a stealthier, um, 2.0 version of that here as well. Absolutely. And but like what Facebook just did to those, that woman who was, um, um, you know, uh, I think her, she was, she helped her daughter get an abortion or something like that or whatever it was. And Facebook turned over the, the uh, private messages to the police and they were both arrested. 
Yeah, that that's just yeah, that's 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 not good. No. That, yeah, so the question is, where do we go now to get this this sense of privacy? You know, are there other networks that you can create? I mean, so I guess you can do it through. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of. I was never a Snapchat person, but I, but the oh. fact that that stuff goes away, yeah, in theory has some value. Yeah, I, I agree. There is that stuff that has. It, it's it's weird because it almost creates um, a feeling like of you know not like I don't want to say a sinister vibe to it, but the fact that now people have to figure out how to have a private conversation, it makes us all feel like we're on the run. Like even like. Um, you know, if you've got, if you've got a, I can't even say the word out loud because I have one, but you know, the little, you know, the, um, the A-L-E-X-A, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure if spelling it'll turn it on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, even, even that where they're like, oh yeah, no, they're recording your argument. So I'm thinking like, man, if I'm having an argument in my house or if my family's having a discussion or we're talking about anything, not that there's anything, you know what I mean? Like, but you still have to think about it. Cause you're just like, who is fucking listening on the other end? You know, like it, it's, it's just, I don't know. It makes us all feel like uh, we're just kind of like guilty of something we're not technically guilty of yet. Yeah, I've re I don't. I've refused to at least knowingly put things like Alexa into my into my house because Smart. it's kind of you know I don't. You know, nobody needs to fucking know when I'm opening up my refrigerator. <laughs> you know that that's uh, and the, you know, and and inadvertently cursing somebody out and yeah having it then be contextually misrepresented later on because it's right like saying um you know it's not you know, most of us for the for uh, are generally not doing bad things but yeah, uh, yeah but all of us do things that when it's filtered and cut and paste and put into the wrong context right um which is always the wrong context to somebody by the way like that so it's so funny my mom is my she it's funny she just turned 62 um and uh she was she called me the other day and she was in the grocery store and this woman in front of her was just a like you know you get into a grocery store thing like whatever it was they had like she was just a bitch i don't know what it was she like walked in front of my mom's car and like my mom got scared and she almost hit you know but you know those people in the in the parking lots where they're just like at a grocery store they're oblivious yeah, yeah. so my mom was like i you know so i started i was like are you fucking kidding me you could have been kidding like but she goes and as i thought that I remembered I saw something on the news where somebody had filmed somebody like freaking out at a grocery store. And she's like, and I stopped like, <laughs> and I was like, that's a fucked up. I, I would rather have the ability to flip out on somebody, you know, for almost for being dumb enough to almost getting hit. Cause sometimes people need to be, you know, um, shaken a bit to be like, oh, are you fucking stupid? Look where you're going. Like, are you out of your mind? Instead of worrying about having to be recorded in that situation. But my 62 year old mom was like, man, I don't want to wind up as a fucking internet reel or TikTok thing, you know? And I was like, that's a weird way to live for the, you know? It is a weird way to live. And at the end of the day, I think it's uh, the only way to really, to really function is the is just be willing to own what you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Reverse or not. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's just, uh, you know, if I say something gets gets taken out of context, I'm not a politically correct person. Same. Um, I, you know, if, if anybody doesn't like my opinion on something, they can, you know, they, they can kiss my backside. I, dude, yeah. I love that attitude because I feel like that's the one. It's kind of funny because I feel like it's been, you know, like everything else, the pendulum swings, blah blah blah. But for a while, that kind of 
at like for some reason we couldn't get a grip on having that attitude which i feel like is just the uh, the better way to be about shit anyway like yeah learn from your mistakes obviously like you said own what you do but this this whole thing of like uh either having to cower back or go away or whatever it is and it's just instead of just being like listen we're all on this earth for an extremely short period of time i'm only human sometimes i snap or, or fuck up or say something or whatever and I'm going to continue to live my life as is like, it's, it's weird to me that, Oh, it was, um, God, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. Somebody was in the news recently. I mean, everybody's always in the news. Somebody was trending some celebrity and it was like, um, I don't know. Oh, it was, um, Sean Bean, you know, the act from uh, game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, the guy who always like the joke is that he always dies in every movie. Cause he really does. Like he's always like, if you see Sean Bean in a movie, you're like, well, this guy's fucking dead, you know? So, um, uh, yeah. So he was, he said something about acting or whatever it was. And literally immediately it was, oh, am I running out of time? That is insane. This meeting will end in 10 minutes. You know what I'm going to do? Um, sorry about that. I will, I, I don't have the, um, oh, I can upgrade, right? I'll edit all this out, but <laughs> this is not, wait a minute. It says right, you can set up a second meeting too, if you want. Yeah, I'll set up a second meeting. Um, uh, remaining, okay, yeah, I'll set up a second meeting when it's. So, um, so basically like Sean Bean had done this thing where um, uh, he said something about acting. I don't know exactly what it was, but he was like, yeah, you don't need coordinators on set. It kind of limits the, whatever. And immediately people were like, Sean Bean is being, um, I don't know if it's like lambasted by fans or whatever it was. And I just kind of wanted to be like, it's such a machine because social media and the media in general have to make everybody that uses their service believe that because they have a criticism of someone it's it's founded and they're paying consequences for it and i really just wish somebody would go like you do know the man is just living his like he's super rich one he's never seen your comments too and three i'm sure he's just lying in a hammock somewhere enjoying his life like there's no con like he said a thing and there's no like lambasting by who there's no like it's insane to me that we have to think that we have this effect on on uh people that we don't know and that they're like, we're literally changing their lives. And I'm like, you're just wasting your time and you're feeding the machine that's making more money than you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's about just like, get over it, you know? It's, Absolutely. It's, it's really, it's a shame that um, people end up projecting their issues. Yes. On these situations. And, and a lot of it is really about that. And that's not, uh, the worst thing you can do is make it your problem. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, I love that we got off on a bit of a tangent, though, by the way, because I like actually talking to the P. I hope you don't mind, because I'll talk. I want to get more in about music and stuff, but I really like getting to know um, uh, my guests and stuff, too, because it's just, you know, I mean, who, who can you talk to these days? You know what I mean? Um, so uh, the new album and stuff, I got to know. So when you were doing you were, you were saying some stuff about Zoom and COVID and um, and uh, not being able to form the band, did you get into the live performing while you were while we were in lockdown before like or did you ease into that or did you take the time to just create and write uh you mean live performing on like via zoom or via, via zoom? zoom yeah yeah, yeah. sorry digital yeah yeah you know we did, i did i slash we did a few of them uh i wasn't a fan personally i just found yeah because it's such uh because the big limiting factor is your is the broadband Quality sure. that you got. And so if you weren't, if, 
where there was there's so much glitchiness and lag in it mm -hmm. you know, like we felt like we did this really cool performance and it was fun doing it then i'd go back and listen to it and then i don't know like every ninth word would get half cut off um <laughs> absolutely and, and then we yeah. tried doing it in multi-locations and then there was then there were phasing issues and it's just i don't know like we, we i think we tried three or four of them and at one point i just said you know let let other people figure this out I'll, yeah yeah uh, I'll do it, it on my own, but no, I did a ton of writing, and actually, uh, we also recorded a, an album uh, just via file sharing during the whole process as well. So wow. I had um, I had this stretch where it was kind of, I, I ended up. It's kind of a weird story. I ended up picking up a, a a lung infection early, like in um, December of twenty twenty. shit. And it was, it got caught super early, but it had to get, uh, but I had to be on antibiotics for like six months for it. Wow. And this is kind of an absurd story that I ended up taking, uh, taking a lemon and making lemonade out of. <laughs> so, uh, so what they try to do to, to make sure that you're taking your medication is that every day you've got to send them a video of you taking like this handful of antibiotic pills. Right. Because uh, I guess they don't want the bacteria to develop antibiotic resistance, et cetera. Right, right. And so I said, uh, you know, this is, how am I going to turn this into something a little bit more fun? Mm -hmm. So I said, let me, uh, let me just do this. Uh, let me turn this into like a freestyling exercise. So I turn on the camera, sit down on a piano or sit down with my guitar, hit record and like literally whatever came to my head. Wow. I'll just bash it out, which yeah. is first of all, a fantastic, fantastic exercise in um developing a ritual of improv whether oh, yeah. it's as a comedian or as any kind of a creator when somebody just says three two one create boom right do that and then so i've got like 180 days of these things oh. and yeah, some of them are quite good but yeah. the, the other thing that i ended up doing is with um a guy that i'd started doing some a bit of writing with right before literally just a couple of months before COVID, he was, uh, he was located, he ended up relocating over to Europe. So what we would do is we kind of made this commitment from January, 2021 until July, 2021, we would do two songs a month. Mm. And so he would send me some stuff. I'd send him some stuff back. Um, did some work in a couple of studios in New York eventually last uh, last summer i went over to italy then to work on some of these things so there's a whole other record that's recorded mixed mastered and ready to go as a consequence of this wow in addition to probably three other albums worth of recorded worth of written or partially written material that's fantastic so yeah i don't i mean i hope um i hope i don't die before i can finish all this <laughs> Yeah, me too, dude. You look healthy. You look good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, short of getting hit by a bus, I think you'll be all right. You know, I've, I've learned at this point, um, just always be happy for your next day because yeah. shit does happen. It absolutely does. And that's the thing. I think um, uh, it's so crazy. There's a, a comedian. Um, his name is Kevin Rooney. I didn't know him well. I knew of him. I didn't know him well, but he just passed away. And a bunch of my other friends went to his funeral recently in L.A. And like a comedian, I don't know if you've ever been to a comedian like 
you know, memorial service. It's just like you literally go to a comedy club and everybody gets on stage and we tell stories about the person and we just kind of it's it's a lot of um, I, I hate to say it's fun, but it is. They would want we would want it to be fun. So yeah, it's a good time. Right, that's, that's yeah. Sad. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be sad. So um, and, and it kind of was. But there's a video of him that uh, a great comedian. His name is Rich Scheidner um, posted and um, I'm watching it and it's cool to see and everything. And he's older and he's obviously kind of, you know, more introspective about his life. And uh, and he and he said something very interesting that I'd never seen before. We said, it's crazy what we do with time. And he goes, you know, if time was like something tangible, like a log, like a pile of logs. And we were just like, yeah, put another log on the fire. Yeah. And it was like you were just throwing it on a fire and like, here's here's this log represents 10 years. I'm going to do this for 10 years. And you threw it on the fire. And then you got down to it and you had one plank left. You'd be like, where the fuck did all my, like, what the fuck? Like, and you were just burning it. And he's like, it's crazy how much we, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically just like, it's crazy how much we willingly waste time doing like, oh, I'm going to sleep it. You know, here's another log. This is me sleeping in. This is me, you know, not being creative or not doing what I should be doing or, or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's a, if you picture it like a bunch of burning logs, like it's crazy to think how quickly we spend it. Yeah, yeah, hey, you have to be mindful. Then I just I really notice this as I'm getting older. So I just had the conversation similar to that with my daughter this morning because she's mm. uh, she's getting ready to start her senior year in college in, wow. in a few weeks, and so she's in the middle of this summer internship. But she's also a musician. She's a singer, a songwriter, oh, great, etc. And um, then nice. quite talented actually. Sweet. And so all of her free time, she's doing this, and she was <clears> complaining <throat> this morning about how she's just not getting enough sleep. And I told her, you, you gotta, you have to take care of your body because it's gonna, and she generally takes good care of herself. But I say, pay attention to your sleep because you have a, that's gonna, that, the piper is gonna get paid for that eventually. Absolutely. And so, and she's like, but I just don't have the time. But as soon as my summer internship's over in two weeks, I'll have an additional three hours a day. And I, I just had this eureka moment in which, I mean, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Three absolutely. Definitely use three hours every day. Yeah, that's a lot of time. It absolutely is. Um, so I, I had to basically force myself this August. I mean, I'm we're we're doing this now, but like I I, I love doing this. But I was like, I need to take August off, and <laughs> I booked because it was between doing this show that started mid pandemic. We put out over two hundred episodes, I think already. Like we're still putting them out. And because I, I decided I wanted to do it, you know, um, Monday through Thursday and right. and every, you know, at a, at, a, at a specific time and go live like I was actually doing, you know, like a regular thing. I um, I just had to make the decision to take off August, like in spite of like, like just, you know, just doing other back end stuff, which I feel like is a lot quieter because I was like touring again and um and doing comedy clubs again and also still doing this which i love doing this like i found i didn't think i would ever find something else that i liked as much as doing stand-up and sitting at a desk like this is this was definitely forced upon me because i was not one of those people i like doing other podcasts i like talking obviously i won't shut the fuck up um but i um but like but actually doing this i was like no it's never gonna happen and then um but i love doing it and stuff and then somebody was like, you know, I was just tired. I wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't sleeping. I was on the road. I was still doing these and we're working on like producing this into a bigger thing and doing all this other stuff too. So we've got all that going on. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a comic and I was like, I don't, I feel like I, I like, you know, I, I passed out like a couple of weeks ago at the gym. Cause I was just like, 
dehydrate. You know what I mean? Like just really yeah, dumb okay. shit. Yeah. And uh, somebody was like, you need just, you have you taken a fucking break yet? And then I was like, oh, no, I can't. Same thing your daughter just said, where she's like, oh, I don't have time. And then, so finally, you know, I was like, fuck it. I just told my manager, I was like, I got, I need August where I'm not running around and and uh, and doing anything or like trying to book, you know, book shit. So that's what I did. It feels yeah. weird though. Yeah, but you got to take care of the machine. You just do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do, is there stuff, is there stuff that you do like self-care wise? Uh, well, first of all, I do try to sleep. Um, mm. I'm pretty regimented about that now. That's great. Because it just makes a big difference. Because when you've, when you've, I mean, you get this, when you got a lot going on, you're always going to have thoughts running into your head at night anyway. So like getting, a, yeah. getting eight hours of sleep, seven nights a week, that's just not going to happen on its own. So when I can, I try to get it, uh, you know, at this point, try to exercise, I, I find it really important. Nice. And everybody's going to figure out their own thing. You know, for me, like in the summer, I've got, uh, I try to swim as much as I can. Oh, so that's great, dude. Any, any body of water that I'm not going to get eaten by a life <laughs> larger than myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I People keep telling me different stuff. Like the swimming thing, I don't get an opportunity to swim too much. I'm not really an ocean guy because of that specific reason with the, uh, you know, getting eaten and all that other shit. And I feel like I'm, a, like, I'm not good at picking out, I don't know, some people can look at the ocean and be like, rip, rip current, uh, not you know jellyfish are over there or whatever i'm just dumb about it and i didn't grow like i grew up in new jersey but i you know i lived in new york i was born in brooklyn lived in new york for a bit lived in arizona so it's like brooklyn desert and then new jersey and i feel like i have had plenty of time to adapt to an ocean but um never did yeah i've always actually preferred swimming in a sea rather than an ocean because like, mm. i spend i'm my background is originally european i spent a lot of time there Oh, nice. Um, to work through music. So a lot of, uh, so like the Turian Sea, the, uh, the Adriatic Sea, I've got, uh, wow. uh, I've got friends that have got places over there and in, in, in both areas. So there, awesome. you know, you're, you're generally not worried about getting eaten by a shark. You don't have riptides and currents and things like that. It really is nice. And, uh, oh. and lake swimming is great. Cause I'm, I spend a lot of time in Kentucky and Tennessee. Oh, nice. And um, actually in New Jersey as well. Like oh, great. Oh, you got to you let me know when you're here because we got to we got to hang out and get together. Yeah, I, don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll swim right away, but, I'll, you know, I'll get we'll together. <laughs> my <laughs> friends and I went to a lake uh, in Virginia, um, like just when COVID kind of broke and we were able to see each other again. We were like, let's fucking get a lake house. And it was beautiful, man. Lake swimming was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we got we got a, we had a little boats and stuff like that. We could take out kayaks or whatever. And um, it was just a <laughs> One of my friends started sinking though. We were like getting out there and we we're in a kayak and we didn't check the boats at a time. And he's like, um, yeah, I'm treading water. <laughs> and we, were just like, we had to like swim. We're just so not aquatic people, but it's kind of funny because we're just like, yeah, let's grab all the shit and start paddling. Nobody cares. Well, there's so much fun stuff you can do on the water, even paddle boarding. So I spent the first, uh, I think four or five months of COVID in, in spring 2020 up through like midsummer 2020 huh. down in uh, down in rural Kentucky. Oh, nice. In between there and Nashville. Wow. In Nashville, obviously, obviously you couldn't do much during that period in an urban setting. So right. I was spending a lot of time in Kentucky and on a lake there. And springtime comes a lot earlier there than it does up in New York. So by like late April, definitely beginning of May, you could go swimming already. Was, oh, that's great. It was a little chilly, but it was, you could still swim. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like, a, you know, shrivel you up swimming. Mm -hmm. 
but it was um but it was it was a tad chilly but you get out on a paddle board um you dump it you jump in the water for a little bit i bought bought a wetsuit that i could swim in and it's just nice when you're out on this big body of water by yourself there's this really i mean you're utterly completely immersed in nature and in it's good yeah. exercise it's good to clear your head and uh and when you're swimming your mind doesn't you, you got to really be focused on the task at hand yeah and when um it, it's not like when you're walking mm-hmm. you can be taking a long walk and you just you're just thinking about shit. yes but with swimming you know you do have to pay attention to uh not to make sure that you don't forget to stop swimming <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's a good point um, I, I kind of want to scuba. I, I've only done it once in Mexico. I've just done, I've been snorkeling and stuff like that, but these guys that go scuba diving, it's kind of interesting to me, but also completely frightening. Cause I don't know how I would handle, like, I, I'm, I'm always wondering, like, what if I suddenly realize where I am? You know what I mean? Like it might be fun initially. And then you're like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm in the middle of no, like breathing through a, a you know, a tank basically. Like, I feel like it would freak me out. Yeah, I think I, so when I was oh God, probably 13 or 14 or something like that, I went mm-hmm. with my parents on vacation on like a spring vacation to I think it was the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine and his family, they had they had gone as well. So my friend and I were uh, saw this advertisement in the hotel, um, scuba diving lessons, uh, mm-hmm. three hours in the pool and you'll be ready to go dive like dive some shipwreck offshore and we oh. said hey this sounds great Let's do it. <laughs> and but what this amounted to is you're sitting in the pool they dump all this equipment on you you've got all these valves and all these little meters you've got to pay attention to and the the instructors are like okay you know if it hits this pressure you dial this and if it hits this you dial this um if you're feeling any anything in your mask do this do this do this any right. questions good we're going and then uh, you get taken out to the shipwreck and you go underwater and you're like, what the fuck? I don't know what I'm doing. And I, the whole thing was like, just so like, yeah, like, so wrong. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, my advice to anybody who wants to learn scuba, di- scuba diving and like take proper lessons. Yeah. <laughs> really be comfortable with what you're doing. Cause suddenly like, it's one thing when, when you're snorkeling and you dive three feet down to grab this shiny little thing that you see on a coral reef somewhere. Mm-hmm. Another thing when you're like 15 feet down, all of a sudden everything is dark and it's weird. Yeah. And you're totally disoriented. And like you got these little valves on your, uh, on this equipment and it gets foggy and yeah. it's, it's not, um, it's really, it's not a comfortable thing. No, it's a, it's a crazy, like I watched this documentary recently about, um, you know, those, I remember those, um, 13 boys that were trapped in Thailand in the caves. Yeah, crowd crazy. Uh, there's a documentary on it, which is probably one of the best documentaries on anything like that that I've seen because they just really lay out. I mean, it is like, I don't, I'm not a, I don't have like claustrophobia or like a fear of heights or anything like that. But watching this documentary and watching what they had to go through underwater in these caves and and with the way they map it out, which is like, okay, this section takes three hours to fucking get through. And to think that these guys had to go and like drag themselves like through little crevices. I was like, there's no, f- I would be dead in a fucking instant. Like, I, I don't know. And they all, you know, uh, except for the one, I think uh, one dude didn't survive who was just untrained and 
kind of unprepared to deal with it. But these two older dudes, you know, the English dudes that, that came out there, uh, you know, in spite of all these Navy SEALs and all these guys who are like, you know, their whole lives are great. They are like, this is a different animal. Cave diving is a, a very specific thing. And we're yep. totally at home there. And I'm like, these guys are fucking not like, <laughs> like, like, how do you get that level of like serenity? But they all, you know, they can do it. It's weird. Yeah, caves are cool, but they're funky. I went to uh, because I, I spent a lot of time in Nashville a couple mm. a couple of years ago. I went to um, went to go check out Mammoth Cave, oh, which is uh, which is this huge, this enormous underground cave complex. It's so big that I think even since they discovered this like a hundred years ago, they still haven't mapped out a fraction of this. Wow. And so, but yeah, I mean, you're this isn't like going into a cave where you're hiking along in the countryside and you see this big opening and you walk in. Uh, I mean, you go, you go down straight down underground. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, this is also in a seismic zone. Okay. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, I, was, like, I was in a relatively large earthquake on the West coast a bunch of years ago that, uh, you know, it was kind of, I, I don't want to say it was traumatic, but it was definitely uh, memory inducing. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. To, uh, I can imagine. You got to describe it nicely. I was in a small one and it was memory inducing. <laughs> like it was, they were like people in California were like, that was nothing. This was, this was a good, this was a good size one. This was like a 6.6 .6 in LA back in like, you know, in the mid 1990s. Um, Holy shit. It was, it was, I mean, I don't, I'm not in the rush to repeat the experience, <laughs> but I remember just going into this cave complex and, and mammoth cave and thinking, man, this would just be the worst place to be stuck in an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst time to have that thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. I mean, can you, I just, can you imagine that? That would yeah. just, Oh, that's like this, this Thailand situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. And I, and I kind of like, you know, I admire those people who are able to explore and do that kind of shit. Cause we need to know, you know, and like just the idea that like, our seas are less explored than space is crazy to me. But, you know, oh, yeah. then you have these people who are like, what if we built this thing? And like, do, and I'd be like, not in your, I would be like, I guess we're never going to know about the sea. If it was left up to me, I'd be like, yeah. sorry guys, I don't know what to tell you, but we're just going to have to wonder. Because uh, I'm not fucking going down there. Uh, yeah. It's just crazy. But I, I admire people that do do that kind of stuff. It's it's kind of nuts. Um, yeah. Ugh chilling yeah we'll leave that to someone else who's more inclined. yeah we're gonna we're gonna do our art thing yeah we'll tell tales about them that's what we'll do <laughs> when when they don't come back up <laughs> you, can, you can write jokes and i'll write songs yeah exactly yeah um so this so the new album man i love it um i'm glad john introduced us and stuff like that and had me come down because i just like i i you know shamefully didn't know about uh you guys before but i love hearing new music that i've never heard before and uh you, that this new album is fucking phenomenal um and uh i just i'm just curious is each did each song did any of them in particular come out of um being from lockdown because they're some of them are eerily lyrically um it's almost like prophetic <laughs> and i don't know if it's just because i'm my brain's picking up pattern you know what i mean we're, yeah. We're, yeah. So, or, or did it, did it actually come out of like the, the experience you had? No, the whole, the whole, all the songs were written and recorded like way before lockdown. Wild dude. So because... the, the album was done and it was, uh, and it was going to get released in, uh, again, like, like probably summer 2020. That was kind of the plan. We'd already started 
releasing some singles a couple a couple wow. of years ago when we'd finished recording just kind of letting them out like one by one and then um but i agree with you like once this got put out it feels uh it feels like a record that got made yesterday yes absolutely and that's the weird thing it's it lets i mean that's just the power of lyrics and music and stuff like that too where you like it resonates um with the current state of your life you know in the time whenever you're living it and sometimes i just want to know like so i was asking if it's like if it was intentional or or whatever it is like uh, cause if it wasn't, it just works well. It just, fucking, I was like, these are, I'm hitting these, these lyrics and these songs in a way that, um, was necessary at the time. So it was nice. Yeah. And I, I'd actually struggled with trying to fit, and this is so unlike me cause I'm normally pretty decisive, mm -hmm. but I like for a couple of years, I had just, um, even before the pandemic, I wasn't sure what to do with this record. Like uh, when to release it, how to release it. Cause we'd also, been doing some technology experimenting with um, making videos in virtual reality. So I didn't oh, want to nice. just release this as one more record that the world probably doesn't need. Mm -hmm. um, this is how to, because I, because I, I felt really good about it as, as a, just as a body of work. Yeah. So it, um, I was really kind of perplexed as the when when should I really put this thing out but it, it just it just felt like now's the right time to do it mm -hmm. and it's like number one it, on the the one sentiment was like if not now never at the same time it um felt like now is the perfect time to do this it's makes no sense to wait any longer because I can't think of a better opportunity yeah no I'm glad you did it man um do you how are you at leaving a thing behind though like um when you make something when a record's finished and done do you go back, listen to it again and think, oh, I could make this better or I could edit it or I could add a lyric or do you go, this is the finished product. I'm on to the next thing. So the way I usually deal with that is when I'm done recording, I usually wait a good while before I start mixing it. Oh. So the, usually any record I make will sit for at least six months before I mix it. Oh, wow. Sometimes longer than that. And so you can listen to it with fresh ears. Sometimes I won't like the way I sang it or I have an additional idea or like mm -hmm. a guitar part I want to change or some instrumental part I want to change. But because when you're when you're completely immersed in the process, you do you lose your sense of perspective on it. Yes. And, and so because of that, it's it's good to just give it a little bit of time, give it a little bit of space, and let's um and, let, and give yourself an opportunity to listen to it with fresh ears. Yeah. Is it, um, you know, hard on, I mean, I, I do, like, did you, does it drive your producers crazy? Like that you, that you make something and it's kind of done and you're like, I have to wait six months until it's whatever. Are they like the fuck you will? Like, do you ever have those battles where you have to like go like, no, this is part of my process. You know, for the most part, they, uh, most of the producers I've worked with have done a pretty good job of suffering through my quirks. That's awesome. So it does. Because uh, at the end of the day, like, it's your name as an artist that's going on this. Yeah. I mean, obviously the producers and everybody that's collaborated on it, their name is going on it as well. Sure. But as the artist, you're the one that's got to make the ultimate call. Yeah. And, you know, generally I like to think of, I've gotten it right more often than I've gotten it wrong with respect to striking that balance between when to revise something later on down the road 
versus to just let it sit. And you know right away, like your ears don't lie to you. Um, it's almost kind of go, like going to uh, going clothes shopping. Like you shouldn't have to talk yourself into buying something. You put it on and you're like, all right, that's that's good. You know, absolutely my, true. My little tweak here, my little tweak there. But uh, you know, when you've when you've got to write a dissertation as to why you should buy this, that's probably you should probably put it back on the rack and, and yeah. leave it for someone else. Uh, Any yeah. girlfriend I've ever had, I've driven crazy because that's the way you just describe shopping is exactly how I do it. I can I will walk into a store if I don't see anything I like, I get the fuck out. Or like I try something, you know, whatever it is, and I I get it immediately. It's like she's like not gonna think about it. You don't want to think about. It. I'm like no, I I like it. I'm gonna get it. I already know I like it. It doesn't matter. And she's like, what the, you know, it's it's this, but that's just the kind of decision making you have to have when you're doing stuff like that. And anything that's a reflection of you and your clothing, how you present yourself as a reflection yeah. of you. Certainly, your body of work as an artist is a, is a reflection of you. Right. So you just you've got to. It's I'm I'm always a big supporter of the idea of giving yourself the space you need to be able to distance yourself from that so you can listen to it with uh, or, or look at it or review it with a with a fresh perspective absolutely uh when you were younger was this something that you knew you wanted to do or did you have another passion well i define that depends on how you define younger but i um <laughs> I'd say probably from my late teens onward. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that there was something that I can give the world through music oh. that was going to be my own unique contribution to it. Nice. Now, having said that, it took, it definitely took a while to develop the toolkit to do it mm -hmm. in the way that I felt, um, in a way that had the least amount of distance between what I, it's my aspiration and the end result. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yep. Absolutely. In the beginning. And I'm always envious <laughs> of, uh, of people that at a, at a very young age just have such a direct line between their stream of consciousness and the end result. Yeah. And that end result being qualitatively what they want it to be. Right. And for me, it took a lot of, um, that took a lot of experimentation. I played around a lot of musical styles. I mean, in some ways, some of the stuff I was doing when I was 18, 19, 20 was some of the coolest stuff. It wasn't necessarily commercially viable, but there was a kind of a purity and a cleanness to it. And I remember yeah. that, uh, in the early 20s, in, in the, because um, I'd performed under a number of different guises and I'd, um, at this point and made um, some demos as ALX back in when I was like 20, 22, 23. And right. this was in the days when you were just doing those, all the shit on a, on a cassette. Right. I remember the guitar player and, and I, I didn't, hadn't really had, I hadn't made a lot of records at that time. I didn't have a background and properly and, and knowing really how to properly arrange music. This was all just stuff that was coming out of my head. And um, I just, uh, I, my my toolkit was much more limited, but at the same time, some of this stuff was super interesting. Mm. Um, and I remember this 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 one guitarist. He's like, yeah, there's something really um, really unique about these ALX demos that you played me. Mm. And they were. I, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't release them now because I'd be uh, I would just be too embarrassed by their inherent limitations. <laughs> you know, just relative to how far I've come as a writer, as a creator, as a musician. Well, would you go back? and kind of tweak them now knowing what you know and maybe kind of slip them out individually 
Yeah, I've thought about that numerous times. Um, that uh, it, it's just it's I don't know if I'd have to I'd have to have a really good reason for doing it because there's just mm -hmm. so much other stuff that I've written and other ideas I want to explore. You, you kind right. of you kind of need to let the past go sometimes. I agree, absolutely. Just to um, understand that it's part of the path of getting to where you getting to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too. And even in comedy, like, you know, it takes some time to wrap around your head that everybody has their own pace. You know what I mean? And, and you need to allow your pace to kind of take control and, and kind of go with it. I mean, you, you know, you obviously want to advance as quickly as possible, but if you're not and you kind of force yourself to you, I think you wind up missing more opportunities um, because you blow them. You know what I mean? Like, like you're not, if you're not ready to do something, and you so, force yourself into it, it's it's going to be bad. And then, you know, you no, lose no question. on the road. Yeah. Now, and this point you brought up is really good about everybody having their own pace of development, because it's mm -hmm. true, because you, you see it in kids where, I mean, there's the old term late bloomers, you know, and yep. some, you can have, uh, not everybody, not everybody's path is chronologically aligned. So there's this whole sense of by this point, by year X or by this point in your career, right you should be here or there and not yeah. and it's just it work that way with everybody some people are just at a very young age they have these they have these moments of inspiration where the um what they're trying to get out just aligns with the spirit of the times and what um and what kind of the type of content that those times dictate and that those times are looking for right and then the rest of the stuff that they do after the fact just never really matches that and uh, others are uh their their work just keeps getting better and better and better from uh, yeah so it's there's no it, it's really important to be mindful of that to yeah be understanding and respectful of that i, I find I, I, I find giving myself the same advice to like younger comics that are coming up now and i wouldn't mean i only mean younger comics in the sense of uh because i feel like i know people who are 30 but they just started doing comedy a year ago and to me that's a one-year-old doing the art that 100 that's a young comic for sure yeah exactly so you're like so younger but like whatever regardless of whatever ages i was kind of trying to tell people like you know just just focus on yourself and try not to look at anybody else because that'll be that's its own level of poison that's like man you're not that person and if yep. you try to be and the other thing I found interesting too is it's a weird, do you ever like, I don't know if you came to this later in life or, or whatever, or early in life or what, or in the middle or whatever, but like, I find myself now suddenly being very, um, oh, like just glad that I went the route I went, which I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's some stuff I would definitely change. I feel like whatever, but I don't necessarily regret any of it because I really like creatively the performer I became yeah. as opposed to, I feel like if I had broken early when I saw some of my other peers break early, I don't know that, I mean, not to not, you know, I don't know that they're doing much now, you know what I mean? Or maybe they petered out or maybe they, you know, they got all these, these high profile shit early and I saw them go in a different direction. Like, like some of them escalate and they get like amazing, you know what I mean? And they're just like, you're like, okay, that person was always destined for that. And then somebody kind of breaks before they're ready and they're out of material really quickly. And I feel like I've always just stayed right where i should be and then now i have shit enough to back it up well there's that's a huge issue in music i mean there's always the the uh, i'm sure you've heard the term the sophomore jinx yeah where you have and this happens with a lot of younger bands it's uh you get a you get a first album that gets a lot of buzz mm -hmm. and oftentimes that first album as a concert is what's on that first album is a 
is several years worth of material. Sure. is isn't something where they just threw this together uh, and wrote all this stuff in six weeks. Sometimes it is, but that's pretty rare. Generally right. speaking, that's, that's kind of, it's almost like that first record is a greatest hits version of who this band is right now. Yes. We're up to releasing that first record. It's just that the rest of the world never knew anything about them. So for the rest of the world, here's this brand new act with this brilliant album when many, mm. in reality, this may have been a band that's been together three, four, five years. Yeah. That just continue to write, continue to develop this body of work and they've chosen the best of it to then release. And everybody's like, wow. And then you're on, but once you put out that first record, now you're in the album cycle. So a year later, you're expected to live to deliver something that's just as good or if yeah. and that's that's a unless you've got some people in the band that are just really, really strong writers where the music just comes to them and they can crank stuff out. And and that does not grow on trees. That that's uh, right. Though those are uh, those are that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. So that that's but that creates the sophomore jinx, and you get this, you get that phenomenon of where bands just uh, and artists just have a really really hard time qualitatively getting back to where that first record was. And you see, I, I've had the perfect examples at Guns N' Roses, where they just, I mean, really. And then if you look at that's a band. If you look at back when that record came out, and I don't know what is it eighty. Six, yeah. 86 yeah like that i mean kind of rock and roll was really dying back <laughs> it just it was yeah you'd had like rap and hip-hop had moved in and then you had a lot of these um you, you know you had a lot of just softer music for lack of a better term sure yeah, and kind of where progressive radio really started making an, you know, quote unquote, progressive radio mm-hmm. really started making an impact and all this stuff that was, you know, kind of good music, but it didn't, you know, certainly for me and, and it didn't. Um, same, it didn't have the same impact. No, no, it definitely didn't rock my world. Yeah. So, uh, and then all it's of a sudden. Steve, it's only so much Steve Winwood you've, you know, after, <laughs> I like Steve Winwood, but you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, what happened to, uh, you know, a traffic? <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, and they're just, I mean, you can substitute whatever name you want for that. Sure. The stuff that was happening then, like if you're a rock person, it just was not an exciting time for rock. Mm. And all of a sudden this record comes out that real, that, that appetite just changed everything. Yeah. And then suddenly you had, you had all these, uh, other hard rock bands coming out of LA. It's uh, that that popped around that time. So it was, um, but they got so big, so fast, mm. and that and that that record was a consequence of. And, and I've, I've I've got some friends who were involved in the making of that. Oh wow! Of Appetite, and you listen to the backstory. I mean, these guys were living living in a house together um writing jamming and uh and then of course the rest of it was the rest of those hours was just all sex drugs and rock and roll right but that's also what made that band what it was yeah and but there they had this sense of tightness and uh all this kind of crazy edge of dysfunction that all came out in that record and then all of a sudden you just go from being this band that's barely paying its drug bills to um to having the entire world know who you are being uh having every enabler at your doorstep yeah by the way you know you've got a year a year and a half to make to write and record another record that's just as good Uh, right 
Oh God. I like, know. Yeah, sorry, dude. That's uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, if we repeat that same process, we're dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you have, oh, when you like started out stuff like that, did you, um, have a way of controlling any vices or were you one of those people that just kind of let go and had to come back from it? No, I, I, I was always lucky in that. I always knew my limits. Nice. It was, uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I was, when I was younger, I was never one to turn a good experiment down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> is it kind of, is it kind of wisdom now that you impart, like, how is it? So your daughter's a musician. Yeah. Um, do you voluntarily give advice or do you wait to be asked advice or what kind of like, you know, are you, cause you're rock and roll dad, you know what I mean? So now it's like, you can probably see the stuff coming ahead of time. Um, so is it, you know, is it hard not to be like, okay, look, like this is what's coming up. You got to watch out. Or do you kind of just sit back and watch? No, I, I, from a pretty early age, I've tried to impart certain lessons from her. Before. That's good. You know, I'm a rock and roll dad, but I'm not a sex drugs and rock and roll dad. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that, that doesn't make a good, good fatherly combination. <laughs> That's not to say I wasn't those things at a, right. uh, at a certain point in my life, but that, um, yeah, it's but it, it's, it's gotta be crazy because I feel like I would be, you know, I mean the same way, I, it's not the same, I guess, if you've actually got a kid, but the same way I'm with friends sometimes where you're just like, if I know they're starting out, I'm like, uh, avoid this person. Don't fucking do that. Don't go there. You know what I mean? I can't help, but like say that kind of shit. And then sometimes it's like, oh man, am I hindering their create, you know, <laughs> their, you know, like, uh, I don't know experiences or, or what am I doing here? But I, I, I always feel like this weird thing where if you, I don't know, if you could see where people are going to fucking fall, you're like, oh God, I want to. Yeah, totally. I mean, one thing I do tell her is like really stay, stay out of the party scene. Yeah, because um, it's not. It's also different than when you and I were young, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got a few years on you, but uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean though. Yeah, but it was uh, certainly drugs nowadays. Things are. It's just so much more of a dangerous world. Fentanyl, man, is like the 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 craziest fucking shit. I think and they put and they put it in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you it's, know, like I was always like even even in my wild days, I was always really mindful about staying away from hard drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like I, one, I'm up enough. I don't need to be up anymore. Like even when I'm like, you know, I've had, I've been to the doctors before where they were like, are you always like this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you're like operating your, you're idling at a 75, you know, <laughs> I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm just ready to go. Yeah. Um, so I never wanted to dabble in any of that and that kind of shit. And I had had too many friends who had, um, you know, done the same and like, it did not end well. So I was just like, it was like a, you know, I had cautionary tales growing up. So. Yeah. I mean, so it's not a great path to begin with. And it's, it's so, yeah. you know, it's nowadays, it's so much of a rule of the dice and a lot of yeah. that 20 years ago would, uh, would just give you a, give you a bit of a rough recovery the next day or the day. Totally. You now, nowadays, there, there may not be, there may not be an opportunity to recover. Absolutely. And, that's and the, where, only, where, the only thing that interests me now is sometimes when I read stuff about like the, um, I, I can't think of what they, what do they call it? Like microdosing or whatever, where they're like, you know, if you're depressed or like, it'll change your, like, I don't want to do it. Cause I really don't, I'm, I'm very protective over what makes me creative. And yeah, then sure. every now and again, though, I, I go, will this make me more creative? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it's a weird, but, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where I'm like, ah, can I, can I level up a little bit? Can I, you know, 
punch that square Mario block. Sorry, I'm Italian. Those are the references I have. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, those those things kind of interest me. And two, and two, like if you ever like, you know, you got these depressive moments or whatever. And sometimes I'll, I'll read stuff and they're like, oh, you know, these mushrooms make you not sad. And I'm like, it might be an idea. <laughs> so I don't know. There is a, there is some solace in as an artist using that using your art as a, I don't know if I'd say, but you could say it's partially a coping mechanism, but it's also more of a, uh, it's a vehicle to just get through those, those phases. You know, if I'm down, if I'm funk, I've had a bad situation for whatever, uh, for whatever reason that I've, you know, picking up a guitar, singing, even doing a gig, I, I'll always feel better after the fact. And a lot of times something good creatively will come out as a consequence of that. So it's, it's almost like absolutely um, having your craft as a bit of this little gift that uh, adversity kind of slips into your back pocket. Yeah. I've always wanted to do this and I haven't at all yet. And I don't know why, maybe I'm just not ready to do it yet, but I've like, I know specific jokes that I've told before in my act correlate to either some kind of tragedy or something going on in my life that people might not necessarily see when I slip it in to the show or to my set. And I always thought it'd be kind of funny to go and write it out and then go, Oh yeah, this came directly from and like jot it down and then write it out. And then, but I think the reason why I haven't do it, I was like, who the fuck cares? Like, <laughs> except for me. And you, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're kind of another artist kind of sharing the story idly or whatever, but I would be like, would anybody really give a shit? I don't know. You know what one of the funnier, uh, one of the funkier things is, and I don't know if you've experienced this, is that is uh, you know maybe for you as a as a comedy person, maybe as a, if you've written about somebody and they're in the audience, they happen to end up being in the audience one day. Uh, <laughs> yes, because I've met some songs about people I've written songs about end up in the audience and then coming up afterwards saying, "Hey, that's a really great song." What's yes. It? Oh it's my a, God. Yeah, a, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love doing that, man. And it, what's funny is like when when people that it isn't really like if you have a joke with like, oh, is that about me? And I'm like, if you think it's about you, it might, you know, I don't know what you've done to me, but maybe. Yeah, exactly. What would ever make you think about that? Yeah. Uh, that time we wrote about October 15th in the park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what one of my red flags now is though if i'm dating somebody and they're like are you gonna put me in your show and i'm like the, no uh <laughs> the fact that you even want to be referenced in this heart like you know in, in whatever like no just don't if you don't make it in it's a good thing yeah uh, yeah so, oh will you write a song about me <laughs> you're like uh i get you they're like are you going to leave me because then i will uh <laughs> like, it's, like it's it's weird yeah make sure to put that caveat into uh your non-existent online <laughs> profile, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, dude, we're, we're uh, running out of time on this thing, but I got to ask you, um, one, I want to thank you for coming on and spending so much time with me because uh, it's been blast just, just shooting the shit back and forth, man. My pleasure. Um, and uh, I got to ask you the big three questions that we ask every guest that's on the show. Um, so the first one is, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self at any age, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Uh, it would be seek a mentor. Oh, that's great. Uh, we've never had anybody say that ever since a young age. It's funny. A couple, couple years ago, I was, uh, 
was at my mother's house and uh, I happened to dig up some old progress reports that teachers had written for me from like early elementary school. Mm-hmm. And this is like first grade stuff. And one of the teachers had written something along the lines of um, Alex is someone who's determined to figure out, figure it out his own way. And wow. I'm like, shit, man, I just should have had this like in every apartment I've li- ever lived in, in this big neon sign uh, <laughs> with a big X written through it, you know, just like, yeah. you get your shit together. Cause I've, yeah, I, I made, the, there's a lot of opportunities that I've uh, probably haven't taken proper advantage of. There's a lot of my own personal development that took a lot longer than I should have just because I didn't really actively seek out mentors and were wow. to them when they, uh, when I should have been. And I pass that advice on to my daughter as well. That's great, man. That is solid advice. I completely agree. I never thought of it that way. Um, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What had to end? Well, you know, it's always uh, uh, the, old, uh, the old adage of one door closes, another opens. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I can't say that there's ever, that, that it's, there's one specific thing that stands out per se. It's, uh, I think there are probably a few relationships that, it, that I'm glad they ended mm-hmm. when they did because it, it, um, it, it freed me of things that were weighing me down and in my engagement of the world and my ability to, uh, to jump into experiences that have formed me as an artist. Right. And, uh, getting any more specific, I'd have to name names and that would be unfair. <laughs> Totally understand. Certain people. Um, so if this was a genuine dystopia, alien zombies, uh, comet heading toward the earth, um, you know, or a giant laser beam, but it's everybody's last day, how would you want to spend it? How, what would be your epic death? Um, well, first of all, I'd of course want my loved ones around. Mm-hmm. And then I'd want to play a big concert. Mm, nice. I'd invite the aliens. Um, <laughs> I'd invite the zombies because they've uh, they've got a right to what would hopefully be some good music and uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know, they got a couple good songs it's kind of a bit of utopian naivete because maybe uh, if they have a good enough time they'll change their destructive tendencies and maybe want to stick around <laughs> oh very nice we've never had a guest try to change the course of events I like yeah that. you know sometimes you know music can be a powerful thing absolutely <laughs> so that uh, that would be a, that would be a great way to go out on, on a positive note. Um, mm-hmm the uh you know kind of throw in a little bit of a of the uh, burning man ethos in which everybody's got a hug throughout the entire thing when they're not dancing and rocking and taking advantage of the eternal open bar because yeah. uh, you do want to end with a little bit of a buzz mm. to, um, to, to blunt the impact of whatever yeah it's finally gonna uh it's finally gonna make us go poof <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I'm hoping I'm hoping we don't know. That's my that's mine. I think I always hope we don't know it's happening, but it just kind of boom, you're done. Some yeah, people were fucked up, man. You don't want to know too much in advance, you know. No. So, some people were like, I want to be dragged off by a fucking alien. And I'm like, what the fuck, guy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, no, I don't no, want no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no. At least um, when maybe the question answered, or, you know, are they really on the planet? Yeah. Uh, Right. They're already there. I know. I think they're already here. I think got to be. My, my theory is they're, uh, they've got a colony in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or they're uh, like octop- octopus, man. Like everybody says the same shit that they're not from this planet. They're super smart, super social, 
problem solvers uh, and they don't have the same DNA that anything else that like, uh, come on, they're, they're not from around here. Yeah, they, 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 I think, yeah, you might be on something. They're kind of like the sleeper cell. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they're just While like- While we're eating them, we're slowly ingesting some kind of a strange, strand, strange strand of DNA. Oh. Like that, that becomes multi-generationally bioaccumulative. You know? Yeah, oh my God, that's a good point, dude. Holy shit, never thought of that. Um, well, dude, it's been, it's been a blast talking to you, man. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to know each other a bit. Yes, answer great. Um, and uh, I hope you come back uh, anytime, man, whenever you want to. Love to. That'd be a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, dude. Take care. John, cheers, man. Peace. Peace.